0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Just got an email from one of my favorite clothing retailers that is California centric. It is a local company outside of my local area. It's in the Santa Barbara area. And the headline in the email was 50% off select styles, end of season sale. Company is, for those who care, toad and company. Um, I like their commitment to the planet, and I like their commitment to fashion. And California's kind of got some unique weather where we can get away with silly jackets that are a little less than wintry during the winter little less than spring during the spring kind of thing. You get the idea. Our seasons are not temperate U.S. American. But anyway, um, what I'm bringing up is spring is around the corner, and they're trying to get rid of inventory. Business lesson there. 50% off happens every single year at clothing retailers. Um, I used to buy a lot of clothes from Banana Republic when I was in my 30s. It was kind of business professional, but not quite business stupid. And business stupid... I worked in my 20s for a man who was a stock broker at one point and became an investment advisor. And I worked for him when he was an investment advisor. And he got in my grill in my face and said something to the nature of, you should wear Italian suits like me. Clients like Italian suits. Clients like Italian shoes. And um, here I am in my mid-20s, and I, I hated this guy. Not for obvious reasons, just for... I would give him stock picks that were fantastic. And he would go, I don't really need you because God tells me what stocks to pick. I'm like, <laughs> I need to be lined up my resume because if your number one um, analyst is God, I'm in trouble. I'm not going to compete on that level for long, right? So here I was hitting home run after home run after home run with tech stocks. And here he is telling me that I should be wearing Italian suits. And one thing I won't do, and no disrespect to Italy, I'm not knocking Italian suits. They're They're awesome. And to be a man and to go to a tailor in your 20s or 30s and be measured for a suit and having an Italian tailor do all the measurements. It is kind of fun. It is kind of sexy. I think that's probably like getting your hair done as a lady maybe for a big uh, night out. I don't know. It's pretty glamorous is what I'm trying to get at. Um, But 50% off tells me that they have too much inventory. And as an investor, you don't like to see the 50% off sales. So when you see it from Banana Republic or Gap, um, I don't know who you've signed up for to get emails, but most of the clothes I buy are done through email signups because they'll send me an email saying, hey, it's 50% off this weekend. I'm like, okay, I don't have to get off my tukush. I don't have to go into a store where people I don't know have been touching the clothes before me. I'm not that germ phobic. I'm not, but let's just say I, I prefer my world versus living in the rules of your world. Um, so 50% off sales are typically bad news. In my world of investing, in my world of clothes shopping, it's the norm. Anyhow, I know you're saying, thanks for that stupid business lesson, Rob. Um, thus, if you're paying full price for clothes, I don't disrespect you, but I disrespect that notion as an investor, as a guy who wants to get you to a million dollars right there a shirt that's 50% off is a shirt, but I'm really truly showing you how pathetic I am. Am I not? GM is warned that chip shortages will cut earnings by 2 billion in 2021. That sucks. GM has been hit by the electric vehicle transition. They weren't quite ready. Now they are throwing down the money for it. Um, In a year where they should be ramping up, they, they, they gotta sit around idle and saying we can't make enough vehicles to, to meet demand. That's the opposite of 50% off. Elon Musk's doggy coin tweets are disconcerting and people will lose money, Bitcoin Bull says. I'm not a big fan of the way Elon Musk is going about being the world's richest man. It's almost as if he invests in Bitcoin then he talks about Bitcoin on Twitter and you push up the price of Bitcoin. I'm not saying he does that all the time, but it it feels a little disconcerting. I'm with the analyst on that one. He's Mike Novogatz. He's criticized Elon Musk over his tweets about the meme-inspired cryptocurrency. Um, and he's basically saying dogecoin, dogecoin, whatever you want to call it. It's pronounced both ways. You can make a G-J sound, or you can just say doggy. But he's bullish on Bitcoin, but he's not bullish on like Dogecoin, which is a cute picture of a dog, on it, which is cute. But again, this year started off very well for Bitcoin, not with a price action, but with Tesla saying, we're going to put a billion and a half dollars into our kitty, into our purses, and we're going to think it's a store of value that may go up, may go down, but you can do transactions possibly, potentially in the future of a Tesla, which brings in enormous questions. One of the things I talked about earlier was a man named Laszlo Heinz. He was the first person to ever spend money in Bitcoins that we know of. In 2010, he paid 10,000 Bitcoins for two pizzas. So a pizzeria shop said, we'll take that deal. And if you're truly Italian, speaking of Italians, it's probably pizzeria. And you never call it a pizza, you call it a pie, right? Um, but he paid 10,000 bitcoins in 2010. You know what those 10,000 bitcoins would be worth today? Again, that's probably 20 bucks of pizza. And honestly, realistically, it's probably about three dollars of materials. Those 10,000 bitcoins would be worth 446 million dollars today. The most two expensive pizzas ever. Bitcoin's price stood at less than a penny back in 2010. It hit an all-time high yesterday of 47,000. Interestingly to note about this Mr. Laszlo, he says, I'm not too interested. And he says, right now I'd, I'd with my Bitcoin, I'd rather have the Bitcoin than a, than a Tesla, but he has to feel a little bit of remorse, but he's acting like he doesn't. What separates Bitcoin from a typical flat currency, of course, is volatility. A dollar won't be worth substantially more or less tomorrow, next year, the year after. But during Bitcoin, it can literally go from a penny to $47,000 in value. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. It popped in my head. It was planted there. Um... I know Ghirardelli chocolate is a treat. Why is rice a a treat? I get chocolate, but not rice a I myself am going to co-opt this and become Rob Black, the San Francisco treat. It's not going to work, is it? Uh, I need a shtick. Anyhow and anyway, 1958. Did the Monocle. Vince did the Monocle. Decided to take a recipe to produce from his family into a big grocery store and came up with rice roni That's about as much as I was able to figure out about it. So before I went to break, I talked a little bit about a odd concept that was tied towards um, how much copper was going to be used in electric vehicles in the foreseeable future. And the answer is is a lot. Um, It takes about four times as much copper to make an electric vehicle as it does a typical car. That same concept is the same. It plays into the like wind turbines as well. If you believe in electric vehicles, I believe that you should start with a concept that, yeah, maybe I should believe in copper as well. If you believe in clean energy, maybe you should say, yeah, I there I could see a point and believe in copper as well. A couple things I want to change the topic to. S and P 500 earnings. Continue to surprise the upside. 80% are beating for the third consecutive quarter, 80% of companies. That's a pretty strong number. Italian GDP contracted by 9% last year. Youth unemployment in Italy is 30%, though. Ooh. Some countries are going to get out of the pandemic way better than others. We remember Italy, right? With the pandemic. Weren't those knuckleheads out on their apartment balconies singing to each other in opera songs? I think they were. And we're like, they're optimistic. They may all be dying, but they're singing love songs. And that was in the early days of the pandemic. China's the only major economy have grown in 2020, up 2.3%. And they created this thing. I'm not going there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Um... But if you look at the world economies, number one, China. Um, no, no, not number one. The only one up last year. U.S. is down 3.5 percent. Brazil down 4.5. Germany down five. Japan down 5.3. Canada down 5.6. France down 9 percent. Italy down 9 percent, and the UK down 10.6 percent. So what am I doing with those numbers in my head? I'm thinking about who can have the best snapback rally. And it's not China or the United States. Now, when you start dealing in volumes of dollars, it is China and the United States. So you really got to start thinking about your investment ideas out there. A um, Couple other things, electronic vehicles requiring four times as much copper as internal combustion engines. There's no substitute for copper wiring. Electric cars require four times as much so it makes you start thinking about the price of copper and the ways to play it. There's one pure way, not pure, one corporate way that's tied towards spare um, Gold and copper. But I suggest you consult a broker advisor and start doing a lot of homework if you if that somehow rings in your head as, oh, that's an idea. metals tesla needs to build 20 million cars a year graphite nickel lithium copper manganese cobalt aluminum for the battery aluminum for the vehicle um they're pretty commodity heavy silver is a weird interesting play not on inflation as gold's ugly little cousin but silver is an interesting play on solar panels it's used in solar panels do we think we're going to use more solar panels under the Biden administration or less? The answer is more. Personal savings in the United States hit 1500000000000 trillion. They're $1. $1.5 greater today than they were one year ago. Personal savings as a percentage of disposable income hits 13.7%. When we have money, we spend money. I've got a friend who is a young man who hasn't much of a mm, portfolio for retirement. But with his savings during the pandemic from not going on vacation, not buying cars, not servicing cars, not tuning up his car, he went out and spent it on a Peloton. Now, for others in our society who've saved, well, like I said, 1500000000000 trillion, they're going to go out and spend it. That much I know. So 2021, 2022, as things open up, people are going to be a little bit more generous with their disposable income. This is positive. There's a lot of positives, a lot of negatives right now. Johnson & Johnson saying yesterday that we expect Americans to need booster shots for the foreseeable future. In this case, they said probably three to five years. Okay. Um, Depression in the United States is out of control. During the COVID-19 pandemic, one in six Americans have started therapy for the first time. Nearly 90% of people in the United States are experiencing one or more depressive symptoms. And that makes me think of antidepressants. The number one country for consuming antidepressants United States. Number two is France. Um, are antidepressants an investment play right now? Yes, they are. Is there a pure play? I don't see it. There's the Pfizer's and the Merck's, the Lilies who have antidepressant drugs. I was on antidepressants for two weeks in my 20s. Just broke up with a girl, went to a therapist and probably a little too quick to, to prescribe antidepressants. I didn't like it. I cried during a Super Bowl commercial when a baby was in a tire. Like, If you have a baby, don't you want to keep it safe? And I started bawling. I didn't bawl. But let's just say I didn't really like the feeling. (laughs) Can you imagine me crying over a commercial? Coming up, Patrick O'Hare. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. Talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. The 20-plus year relationship continues. Mr. O'Hare, how are things at briefing.com? How are things in the stock market these days?
0: Well, things are uh, things are going well, briefing, and, um, and obviously things are going exceedingly
1: well in the stock market. True, true. I, I think <laughs> I knew the answer to the second question more so than the first. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing out there that uh, is market-worthy news, per se?
0: Well, I think what it's more like what we're feeling, so okay.
1: more so than what we're seeing, you
0: know. And what we're feeling is that this market is um, overly complacent, um, overheated, and probably due for a pullback. Um, you know, we're back in that mode where uh, just nothing negative registers. It's you know, it's always the same. You're writing the same narrative day after day after day. Uh, that being, you know, the support of fiscal and monetary stimulus, the, uh, the upbeat projections around vaccine distributions, um, the uh, expectation, you know, that the economy is really going to, you know, take off here, the realization that you're seeing upward, or, you know, revisions to earnings estimates, right? That's, that's all true. It's all in the mix. Uh, we hear it day after day, but you do have to wonder, well, you know if you keep trading off the same narrative day after day how much of that good news has already been pulled forward into uh, into the market here uh and uh and we think quite a bit frankly so that you know you've had such a, a upswell of buying interest here in the month of february um you know on top of a huge <laughs> upswell of buying interest that you know began last october really and uh and you just you know probably have a market that's kind of just Needs to, uh, needs to settle down a little bit because you're seeing a lot of a uh, pickup in extreme speculative excess in some areas of the market that are typically viewed as signs of a, a bit of a near turn top, that being, you know, penny stocks, micro cap stocks, you know, which are going up 10, 20, 30 percent, you know, with, without any problem. And, uh, and that's a little bit concerning to us.
1: Okay. This is a very, very terrible thing to do, but I'm going to call you the old man in this argument. I'm going to be the young man (laughs) (laughs) because I'm seeing exactly what you're saying. And yesterday on CNBC, you saw a lot of a parade of people come out and go, oh, the SPAC investments, every one of them are doubling on their first day coming out. That's a bad sign. It shouldn't be that way. Um, Dogecoin, Coin, whatever you want to call it, it's pronounced Mm -hmm. both ways, hits an all-time high. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin hits an all-time high. There's real money to be made. Should we not... Mm, give some credit to the millennials for a most these have to be this has to be young people invested this way because anyone over 35 i.e me and you and everyone on cnbc is saying it looks like a bubble and yet every day and again i know i know what you're gonna say that's what we were saying back in 2000 right before the crash in tech stocks um hmm. houses can only go up in 2006 is are the old people is there a chance they're wrong and is there a chance the young people just get mutilated, murder-related, chopped up, hit with a uh, you know a golf club in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks? Because if it's it's pretty fervent right now, um, but is it an old man versus young man argument, or could there be some realities? Because I I did see corporations are cutting costs um, pretty aggressively, so that helps the argument of why they're sitting at highs. But it's a lot to go on. I'm just I'm trying to bring in that. Sure. CNBC versus the average person argument right now I suppose.
0: Well, let me let me turn it around and say let's okay. go back to when I was a young man, right? Yeah. Back in the dot com days, right? Sure. And the the young man in me would have said then, well this time is different. Okay? Right. And those are some of the most dangerous words in okay. the world of investing, right? Now, yeah. uh, At the end of the day here, you're just not going to convince me that fundamentals don't matter. Fundamentals always matter, but there are periods where they are set aside, if you will, Uh, and we're in one of those periods. There's no question about it. I mean, you have no interference from interest rates really right now whatsoever. You have a Federal Reserve that's telling you, please go out on the risk curve here because we're going to suppress interest rates for, gosh, who knows how long, but it's going to be a while. So they're basically saying, go have fun, people, uh, because we're not going to get in your way. Um, and, uh, and there's just a ton of liquidity sw- splashing around out there. So you get these, uh, you know, another term you've heard lately, you know, kind of like a gamified market, right? Mm-hmm. And in terms of, you know, the, the younger set that is uh, playing this market, they're not investing, I don't believe. Um, they're trading. Right. And okay, that's more power to them because they are doing quite, quite well. They probably many, many probably are. But with trading, you have to be very much on top of your positions uh, because it does become about market timing. And when you get into these situations where you're driving stocks up based solely on a narrative without any fundamental underpinnings, you're essentially riding a greater fool theory, right? You're hoping you're not the greatest fool out there. And as long as you can find one other greater fool, that price is going to keep going up and you're going to look like a genius. But ultimately, when uh, we get back to the reality of interest rates running interference, um, you know, everyone's going to come back around to realize, well, this time wasn't different and, uh, and fundamentals are going to matter. And there's going to be some massive corrections in, in, in some of these speculative pockets. Fair enough. I was trying to think. Glass and I would and add, I... if I may okay, add, good. Rob, I mean, sure. you might not even have to wait for that. Look at GameStop, right? Um, what's changed there? <laughs> um, you know, you've gone from. You know, 10 to 489 dollars a share to down to whatever it was last time I looked. I think it was at 50 dollars a share, right? But there are a lot of geniuses riding that up to 489 dollars. Maybe not feeling so smart right now, and uh, you know, because the last greatest school was identified, I think, you know. And so you saw a huge decline in that stock, and um, and nothing's really changed, right? It's just that you know the, the the herd has moved on elsewhere, and we're seeing that today in the in the in the cannabis stocks.
1: I was laughing last night as I was trying to come up with stories for today, and I was like, I think my son might be a better investor than me <laughs> right <laughs> now, because he knows about Bitcoin and knows about GameStop, and like, your daughter might be beating you, but in the long term, you're going to probably have a better track record, but that doesn't mean they're not going to own a small island if they could pull off the right time and the right place kind of argument, and I'm like, eh, it's not worth developing, but I've over-talked about it already. GameStop at $50 today. It's only down 20 cents. That's kind of a weird thing to say. It's not up 200 or down 200. Um, turning the page to the earnings season and economic data, uh, more of a realistic fundamental world again. Um, anything you see in, or that you are seeing that is relevant to talk about? Well, sure. You know, if we
0: just because I'm fundamentally biased, right? right um, me too. The you know the earning the earnings environment has has unquestionably been much better than expected, right? And uh, the fourth quarter period. Coming into it, you know, estimates were you were expected to see about a nine percent decline in year-over-year um, year operating earnings growth for the S&P 500, and with the huge surprises we've been seeing, you know, we're now positive again, you know, upwards of close to two percent year-over-year growth. Now, that on an absolute basis is nothing, you know, to write home about, but on a relative basis, it's extremely important for this market in terms of its attitudes as it relates to the the reopening outlook and the and the potential for uh, increased operating leverage and, and and you know and and the uh manifestation of that through much uh stronger than expected earnings growth uh as 2021 progresses and um and that's helping the market kind of rationalize uh the the higher valuation which is trading right now because you know an argument i made in my big picture column that I posted on Friday was really that, you know, this market is, is trading beyond uh, itself in the sense that it's really not looking at kind of like what the forward 12 month earnings estimate is right now uh, because it, it's not taking that at face value because it's giving it a cushion for that to be even higher based on the strong earnings beat rates we're seeing in the fourth quarter. So you might have a market trading at say 22 times forward 12 month earnings, you know, on, you know at, at face value, but the market is clinging to the idea that you're probably going to see earnings estimates come up 10, 15 percent above what they are right now. So you have really trading more at like 19 to 20 times earnings, uh, with interest rates still, you know, hanging there at, at low levels. Um, and it, you know, it becomes a, a basis for this market to find a fundamental rationalization for why it can continue to levitate here, even though it's come such a long way in such a short amount of time.
1: Odd question, but. With the end of record low interest rates and the end of record low mortgage rates, if that were to happen in 2021, 2020, 2021, does the market face headwinds that are mm, workable, manageable, or are we going to not say lose, but it's be way tougher to compete with the market in the foreseeable future? Is that a question? I'm not sure, but I'll let you work with what I threw out. Sure. Well, prospective return uh,
0: ideas probably have to be moderated because the other component there is if you get rates coming up in a decent fashion, it's probably because we've seen some success in in tackling this pandemic and you've seen growth come through uh, in a much stronger way. Right. Well, you know what comes on the heels of that, according to the Biden administration, uh, higher corporate tax rates, potentially higher capital gains tax rates. uh, And that's not part of the equation right now because the administration has said, "Look, that's not our first order of business right now. Our first order of business is tackling this pandemic, and uh, and getting this recovery going and more people working. Well, as that recovery gets going and more people get working, more people start spending, start chasing fewer goods that are out there. You see pickup inflation pressures. You see higher interest rates. That becomes a problem. But um, but you know on the other side of that, you potentially have higher corporate tax rates waiting for you, which are going to uh, depress the level of earnings estimates." That are currently you know not being accounted for
1: thanks for your help thanks for your insight as always i start my day with briefing.com and patrick o'hare's page one column oddly enough it ends every friday in the late afternoon with his big picture column there's not hundreds but there's a whole staff working at briefing.com coming up with articles not just patrick o'hare a lot of insights a lot of breaking news throughout the day with their in play check it out at briefing.com Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. There is no doubt an element of being at the right place at the right time is important with success or failure. In life. I know that sounds a little bit pretentious. Maybe it is. What I want you to get out of this. Is something a little bit more of the right place, the right time. What's he mean to me? And I can tell you that for me, it meant when I was 18, I decided I'm going to use Wall Street as my funding vehicle for retirement. It wasn't a bad time. I had the dot-com era coming. The first one, then with Yahoo's and companies like Google. The second round of the internet with the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the Twitters, social media, so to speak. We've had cars go from combustion engines to electric vehicles. We've had a focus of pollute as much as you want to maybe this isn't the best idea for the environment, for the planet we're living on, the planet we need. I'm not a big environmentalist. I still do way too many single serving cans or bottles of way too much of my life. But I'm aware of the trend. But the idea of being in the right place at the right time is something I wanna talk about for just a quick minute. It doesn't have to be hard, it doesn't have to be negative work with me on this one. Okay. Bonds versus stocks. I can't make a good case for bonds when the yield is so low because I compare cat investments to inflation and cash to inflation. I would much rather have money in the markets in stocks and I can find conservative ones or aggressive ones. The bonds versus inflation return isn't good enough for me to justify the bonds overtaking the stock's return. In theory, I have enough money to live until the day I die, minus big ticket purchases and maybe health scares. I'll tell you what, if I need a new gaming machine to play video games on, easy. If I need cancer treatment to keep me alive for six more months, very difficult. And I'm gonna fight for that cancer treatment, much more expensive than say a video game computer. We're gonna have priorities and things are gonna you know whack us at funny times. But let's go back to what, what I'm saying is, I was at the right place at the right time, but so are you. This is what you got to work with, so you gotta work with it. And whether you're seeing Bitcoin becoming an alternative to the dollar, whether you're seeing electric vehicles being bought versus combustion engines. In ninth grade for the science fair, I built a combustion engine. Um, I did not do it with a model kit. I did it by buying an engine and putting it together. Before it goes into a car, I went to a junkyard and bought a scrapped car that got crushed in a car accident, but the engine was intact, so I was able to, to replicate it. That was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, roughly. 35, okay? Let's make me a little bit younger sounding than the reality. That was a long time ago. And combustion engines have stuck around for a long time. We don't need them anymore. We can turn on the sunshine. We can charge our vehicles. Now, again, we can start getting into the, well, the materials that go into the engine and the batteries are so bad for the planet. We're actually hurting the planet by trying to save the planet. I get it. I'm just talking right place, right time, okay? Don't get mad at me on anything else. So to me, stocks are the better place to be, but in twenty twenty-one, and I've I've said this in twenty twenty, in twenty nineteen, in twenty eighteen, in twenty seventeen, in twenty sixteen, can interest rates go lower? And the answer has always been yes. And interest rates went lower, bonds became a lot less attractive. Now that we've moved from the 60 basis points 10-year treasury as it starts moving higher because all the monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus has created demand in good times and in bad times, there should be some underlying inflation, which obviously helps the plays on Bitcoin, but it also helps stocks. No bonds, the higher the interest rates, the more attractive I'm going to become to bonds when bonds yield half a 1% or 1% or one and a half percent, I'm not that attracted to them. Sexually speaking, let's make a sexual metaphor out of bonds. I'm going to be very careful here. You don't have to believe me, but the 10 year treasury at 0.6 to 1.2, I'm like, that's anemic. And let me just reset and go back to 25 years ago, being at the right place at the right time, a mortgage was 12% and through the years it became 10%. And in my lifetime, it became 8%, and then 6%, 5%, 4%, 3%, 2.5% for a mortgage. And oddly enough, during that same 25-year period, with a year or two of unhappy, the prices on homes have marched higher. I'm willing to throw down $10 to year one. that if interest rates continue to move higher, if that trend persists, And the 10-year Treasury gets back to 3.5%. Home values will be stagnant to sideways during that period of of the March higher. Now, there will be some markets that have no supply and people will overbid for them. But the cheap cost of money has been the really attractive thing about mortgages. And at one point in time, Trump took it away from California and New York State. Big old expensive mortgages were a tax deduction. And part of his tax plan was to... Take that away in some people's minds to punish California and New York states that are blue, because homes are so expensive in those states. The people who donate to the Democrats tend to live on the coast. Now again, I, that's that's getting kind of like painting everything with a, a single brush, and that's wrong. But let's talk about it. Let's focus again on wealth, and let's focus again on what I'm trying to get across this segment. When the ten-year Treasury is under three and a half percent, I buy stocks. Now that was my statement 25 years ago. My statement 25 years ago was actually when the 10-year Treasury is under 4%, I buy stocks because inflation runs between two to four percent. If I can get inflation plus a little bit more with government security, I'm taking it. I'm not taking it. I'm just I'm saying I, in theory I should take it because I'm beating inflation. Historically, inflation's run two to four percent. So when I can get returns close to that, I'm going to take it. I'm gonna put some money aside and say cash is trash. Cash loses every year to inflation. I keep as little cash on hand as possible because if inflation goes up 2%, my buying power just went down 2%. In theory, it's not quite that simple, but that's the idea. So the 10-year treasury is more important to me than almost anything. The 10-year treasury and the first uh, jobs report the first Friday of every month, those are my two leading economic indicators of do I buy stocks or bonds? And trust me, I will buy bonds. In retirement, especially if the 10-year treasury is at three and a half, four percent, five percent. I'm buying nothing but bonds at five percent. Stocks can't compete with that without risk. And that's where you go, oh, stocks have some risk. And that's where you get rewarded for going with bonds or going with cash. Cash has no risk in theory. If it's in your home, maybe you can get robbed. If it's in a bank, maybe the bank can get you know shut down, but you're you're insured up to a hundred thousand dollars per account. Again, we've never really tested that system very much. So the run on bank's protections should stay in place, but we don't want to be a banana republic where, oh, bank closed today, you lose all your money. We don't want to be that country. We want to have confidence in the banking system so they can go out and lend money and help keep society fruitful in productivity and help keep society fruitful in new research and development and help keep society fruitful with small restaurants that, how shall we say, have mom's ragu sauce versus Cheesecake Factory, which they put it in a jar, sell it on a supermarket. That'll stay fresh for a year, quote unquote, stay fresh. You get where I'm trying to go with this. The concept that I want to get back to again is 25 years ago, I made a bold statement, if the 10-year treasury is between three and a half, four 4% or lower, I'm buying stocks. So for 25 years, all I've done is buy stocks. I have not bought one single bond in 25 years for myself. And yet I want to, it's just the conditions aren't right. So I was at the right place at the right time to let it ride on stocks versus bonds. Not great financial advice, especially for wealthy people who don't need the risk. And when I say the word need the risk, you don't need stupid risk ever, but you do need to expose yourself to capital growth and capitalism. Within reason, within comfort levels, I literally have enough to live comfortably until the day I die. And I could do things like buy a new car, get a roof on my house, uh, give money to my children, give money to charities, take a lower paying job as maybe an investment consultant to a church. where instead of earning cash, maybe I'll earn good faith and good points to get into heaven. Or whatever you believe in. You get the idea. I'm in a good position because I put my faith in the idea and the concept. Two simple concepts have held true. Well, I'll even throw in a third one. I understand growth stocks really well, I think, until I don't. Knock on wood, right? The 10-year treasury and the jobs report. Those are the three things I care the most about. And I could probably factor in another 15, 16, 17. You can too. Um, you can't throw, a, I don't believe in it owning more than 20 individual names. Warren Buffett taught me treat investing as if you have a punch card that says 20 on it, treat it with respect. Don't buy f- silly and frivolous things. I've bought silly and frivolous. So my punch card's probably at 60, but currently it's under 20. And I hope it'll always stay under 20. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com.